From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. Anchored Senator Bill Bilikowski and Fairbank Senator Scott Kawasaki wrote to, the, wrote to Alaska Attorney General Treg Taylor urging the Department of Law to investigate Alaska's excessively high fuel prices and determine if Alaskans are experiencing price gouging. We spoke with Senator Kawasaki about the letter. If you've gassed up recently, if you've gone to get some home heating fuel, you know that prices are abnormally high. Um, and if you look at AAA prices across the country, while the lower 48 has dropped precipitously, Alaska has increased um, just over 50 cents in the last week. And uh, that ought to be you know, a question answered by uh, legislative leaders. Uh, so that's why Senator Wilikowski and I requested this inquiry of the Attorney General. According to AAA, Alaska consumer prices for motor fuel have risen 42.4 cents on average in the last week. The current average price per gallon of gas is $5.04 in Alaska. I think that the Attorney General uh, has an obligation to be uh, a protector. Consumer protection is part of the Attorney General's uh, and the Governor's um, power. And that information about you know, why, uh, why are prices at the pump so expensive uh, is information that I think should be shared. I think the public deserves an answer on why they're paying so much for home heating fuel and gasoline that's processed within the state of Alaska. And, uh, you know, as we approach winter and colder temperatures, it becomes more and more a question. People scratching their heads and uh, constituents of mine um, asking and calling for an inquiry. The letter spoke to the necessity of gaining information to better understand the process of fuel pricing to determine whether there are any inappropriate refinery margins or if a monopoly exists within the state of Alaska that is controlling prices and harming consumers. We've both introduced bills at, at, during previous years to prevent price gouging and to really push the envelope and ensure that if consumers are getting price gouged that there's a penalty. And, uh, you know, I think the, the big takeaway is that simply an inquiry from the Attorney General could help to drive prices down. And, uh, you know, really what it comes down to is I hope that we can drive prices down for consumers as we approach winter. Senator Kawasaki. Alaska Department of Commerce Commissioner Julie Sandy spoke at a Juno Chamber luncheon and provided an update on activities of the department. She said professional and business licensing was a priority of the department during the pandemic. For a little background, there's 43 programs um, that includes 21 boards, 98,000 professional licenses, um, and then uh, 91,000 business licenses. And so what sort of happened, it was the perfect storm in that during COVID, you saw a spike in the need for professional licenses, especially in healthcare. Um, there was a reduction in our workforce, of course. Sandy said that over the course of the next five years, the state of Alaska could see more than $2 billion come to the state for broadband services. That's really to help um, meet uh, unserved, underserved uh, communities and their technology needs. And I, for me, you know, growing up out in rural Alaska, um, you know, I'm so passionate about the workforce that exists out there and knowing that we have workforce shortages um, I'm excited about the opportunities that there are to improve health care, but also perhaps help serve work, um, urban communities by um, really tapping into uh, a resource out in rural Alaska um, of individuals who would like to, to work um, but don't have good connectivity at the moment. So we're hoping to 
to um, change that. Sandy spoke on Alaska's emerging industries. We also have a lot of emerging sectors that are also really exciting. So artists, defense, mineral development, um, exporting Alaska-made products. So we spend a lot of time when I'm doing, working with the folks that are coming to meet us or them, um, traveling to meet them on international trade. We're talking a lot about the Made in Alaska products. Um, Alaska uh, air cargo industry, we've certainly seen uh, uh, so much more traffic up at, at Ted Stevens, and that's very exciting. And then, of course, all of the news. I don't know if any of you attended Southeast Conference, but there were big announcements in their culture uh, at Southeast Conference, so that's really exciting in terms of our emerging factors. She said the department and others have been meeting to talk about workforce housing in the state. We've been working with Alaska Housing Finance Corporation, ADA, uh, the Rasmussen Foundation, the Denali Commission, uh, AFN, the Arters, um, AML. So those are all the folks that are sort of around the table right now in addition to um, uh, the Department of Labor as we try to come up with solutions on workforce and housing. And um, there's pilot programs that folks are running right now that I'm really excited about. Alaska Department of Commerce Commissioner Julie Sandy. Several exhibits are on display at the City Museum in Juneau this month, and as the museum shifts to the fall season, a new solo artist exhibit was announced in a fall update. Beginning October 22nd, the Murray Gallery will be closed while Alaska, a Ray Mignot's retrospective expedition, is taken down and the walls are prepared to receive paintings by the first solo artist of the season, Gary Kirkpatrick. The exhibition begins November 4th and will go on until the 26th. Kirkpatrick has been a painter all her life. In 2020, she began working with oil paints. Capturing the Light is a collection of new watercolor acrylic and oil paintings. From October 1st through April 30th, the museum will be open to the public Tuesdays through Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. and will be closed on Sundays and Mondays. The gap widens between two ballot propositions that were in this year's city election. 8,663 votes have been counted so far. Proposition 1 asked whether to bond for a new city hall. The measure made a bond request to the tune of $35 million. As of Friday, the no votes have a 189 lead vote lead over those that voted yes. As for totals, 4,379 voted no, while 4,190 voted yes. On Proposition 4, which asked voters if they wanted to repeal the city's mandatory disclosure ordinance, the yes votes have 331 votes over the no votes. 4,444 voted yes, while 4,113 voted no. Another batch of unofficial results will be released this Friday. Official results will be published after certification by the Canvas Review Board on October 19th. During the Chamber of Commerce's dinner over the weekend, John Blasco succeeded Wayne Jensen as president of the chamber. Jensen spoke to what brought him to be president. Two years ago, then President Charlie Williams and President-elect Eric Forrest showed up in my office. I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> they offered me the opportunity that, that many of you in this audience have, have been given, that of being President of the Greater Juno Chamber of Commerce. As you can see, I accepted that opportunity. And my name will be added to the list of past presidents very soon. And he thanked his friends and family. I want to thank our thank Charlie.
Kelly and Eric for giving me this opportunity, and for the board for trusting me and not let the chamber fall apart this last year. And I want to also want to thank my co-leaders, my co-workers, and my family for putting up with all the, all the time that I spent on chamber business over this last few years. Your support means a lot to me and is greatly appreciated. Blasco made his first remarks as president. There's new challenges that we are facing up in this coming year. Labor shortages, anybody have them? Probably. Uh, inflation, rising interest rates, available housing, uh, and access to child care. And I just want you to know that Chamber, we're here for you. We are your advocacy voice, we are your resource, we are your network. And so know that we are going to represent you and your business and do everything we can to help your business and the general economy continue to prosper. The 2022 Economic Indicator Report for Juno is out. The report is authored by the Juno Economic Development Council and covers the data for 2021. Executive Director Brian Holst was on Action Line to talk about the findings. What we see is that in 2021, Juno's economy essentially is, um, in terms of levels of overall sales, levels of employment, is pretty close to being back to normal, um, which is good, uh, given that uh, not... not Notwithstanding that many businesses did suffer, there was a tremendous amount of, of relief. And in the aggregate, we're seeing that Juno is, is sort of back on track again. He says while state jobs are still declining, the level of employment in the private sector were not at their peak in 2021. In terms of uh, overall private sector employment, we've seen that um, grow over the years. But we're not back to those levels. We peaked in 2018. We're not quite back to our private sector levels. And our population, that peaked in 2015. So we are off by a little bit in, in our population as well. Housing was taken up in the report. It works off a previous report from JEDC regarding short-term rentals. But Hull says there are other factors. We specifically looked at that, that housing element. And then in the indicator report, we continue to um, explore that that issue and, and a lot of phenomena that are kind of pushing against us people across the nation tend to want to be less house sharing more people want to live alone uh the we we over it's easier to well we don't so, produce as much low-income housing mm. as we need we produce a lot of middle-income housing uh which makes it great for the middle-income person but there are just fewer fewer options for uh the, the worker to find their, their first home and it says Juno needs to do further work on housing development. We need to we need to figure out in this high cost environment, land is expensive. Uh, as we all know, it's hard to build on in Juno. We the challenge. Uh, we're not pretending that we have the easy solutions. The challenge is how do we produce more more housing? There are some exciting projects. We know the city assembly is is uh, aware of the challenges. We just need to invite all of our developer friends to um, keep. Building. The CDC is changing how it handles COVID numbers. ABC's Lionel Moyes reports. A major change from the CDC on how it updates COVID infections and deaths now shifting from daily totals to weekly. The agency says this will reduce the burden on states and jurisdictions and also maximize resources. The move comes as habits are also shifting in the pandemic. Case numbers are becoming more difficult to gauge as more Americans opt for at-home tests, many with no reporting option. Updates will now be on Thursday starting October 20th. Lionel Moyes, ABC News. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com.
Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.